0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.
2: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Fantasy Football Beat on RotoViz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Each week on the Fantasy Football Beat, I'm joined by an NFL beat reporter. Breakdown one off the games of the week. On this week's show, my guest is going to be Matt Money-Smith of Chargers.com. We'll be discussing the Cleveland Browns trip to face the uh, inform LA Chargers and we'll be looking at some of the key players and key matchups that we expect to decide the game. We'll be talking about Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen and how they have growing over the over the season really and how they have really shot into form over the last two weeks we'll be talking about Chargers defense we'll be talking a little bit about the Browns and how they can in fact cause some problems this week for this LA Chargers team. So uh, after I talk with Matt, I'll take a few minutes to recap what we discussed and I'll use some of the Rotobiz apps to dive a little bit deeper into the game from a fantasy football perspective. For those of you who don't know, Rotobiz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. You can find out more about all the great articles and content as well as the fantastic tools and the tools that I'll be using later on in the show on Rotobiz.com. So head over there and uh, check out this site. It's incredible that this is the week 13 edition of the show. It has been a fantastic experience as I've gone through this season with the debut season of the fantasy football beat. It has been a lot of fun for me personally, as I take the show to you each and every week and break down different matchups, got to talk to a lot of great beat reporters, got to find out a lot of great information by diving a little bit deeper, find some values and some players that really have helped me throughout this fantasy season. And of course, that fantasy season isn't over yet. So hopefully on today's show, we're going to be able to find a little bit of information that'll help you with your games this week whether it's players for the Browns whether it's players for the LA Chargers and of course that fantasy season isn't over yet so hopefully on today's show we are gonna be able to help you find uh, some value on players and some players you should or maybe shouldn't play uh, as we progress through the show here and uh, hopefully I'll be able to set you up with a few of those so as I mentioned I'll be back after I talk with Matt and uh, I'll go through it a little bit more from a fantasy football perspective and who I'll be starting who I'll be sitting this coming week so uh, without any further wait let's get Matt on the show So I'm delighted to be joined on the show now by Matt Money-Smith. A lot of you might know Matt from his uh, work with the NFL Network or the the Pedros and Money show. He gets around, so he does, Matt, uh, a lot of different media outlets that he he sports his name on, but now uh, part of the Chargers, and he is the voice of the Chargers as their play-by-play announcer. So I'm uh, very interested to get his perspective on this Sunday's game. But as always, Matt, it's uh, my pleasure to to have you aboard any show that I do, but uh, the first time aboard the Beat Report, so uh, thanks for joining me. Oh, anytime, Tom. Always love talking to you. So uh, obviously, we're looking, uh, you know, at the Chargers Bills coming up this weekend, and I'm just about getting used now to uh, saying the L.A. Chargers. I uh, got the the San Diego part of it uh, out of my system as the season went along, but the uh, the Chargers uh, absolutely crushed the Bills uh, in Week 11, fifty four to twenty four, and then on Thanksgiving they absolutely steamrolled the Cowboys, uh, twenty eight to six keen Nall has been pretty much dominating over the last two weeks there's been uh arguably nobody better in the league over over that time period Phillip rivers is playing some of the best football uh, of his career i think and uh, the defense is starting to look extremely solid so looking back to that uh, thanksgiving game and it is a game in which uh, Phillip rivers was uh, awarded the afc offensive player of the week over the over the last couple of days so it's been a been a nice week for the the chargers with that extra rest what was your biggest takeaway from that game over the dallas cowboys
3: Well, certainly offense, you know, and the continuation of Phillip uh, Phillip Rivers to Keenan Allen and that connection. And, you know, it's what we thought we were going to see a lot of this whole season. Um, But, you know, Anthony Lynn came in. He had an offensive philosophy. It was to really be physical, run the ball, and he was very determined to get that going. Um, And the pass game took a backseat to that. And I think the last couple weeks you're starting to see what we're used to seeing from Ken Wisenhunt and Phillip Rivers, and that's that it's, it is a little more pass heavy that they feel like they do have a mismatch against any team, no matter the cornerback, unless they're going to double team them. And I don't know why, but for whatever reason, the last two weeks both the Cowboys and Bills have been playing, you know, Keenan Allen man to man, and he has wrecked them. And so Phillip has just been taking, you know, advantage of those situations. And so I think you've seen a shift, and this offense is now producing like we thought it had the potential to produce, given the weapons that it has. Um, And that hasn't been the case all season. The defense has been very consistent. You know, they just got their second defensive player of the month for the month of November. It's Casey Hayward for the month of September. It was Melvin Ingram. That side of the ball has been very consistent and dominant. Um, And now we're seeing the offense starting to catch up
2: and we're going to be uh, we'll be touching on some of the key matchups in a moment and looking through obviously the defensive side of it and the offensive side of it maybe some ways that we can look to stop Keenan Allen but uh, that's not something that the the Chargers fans out there want us to be be trying to do but uh, when we look at the injury report and I'm uh, basing it off uh, Wednesday's injury report we're recording this Thursday and Thursday's reports haven't come out yet so we're looking at very very light injury reports for both uh, sets of teams here Casey Hayward did not practice Wednesday but it was uh, a calf injury and a personal reason so he is is expected to be okay. Corey legit the defensive tackle toe injury didn't practice. Mike Williams didn't practice that knee injury that he picked up, so he is likely to miss this upcoming week. And then we had Nick Novak with a limited participation. He uh, had that back injury against the Dallas Cowboys, and they have since signed Travis Coons as the uh, a possible option signed to the practice squad. We'll see with that what happens. And then uh, Spencer Pulley, the center, uh, has had a, an injury with a limited practice as well. So when we look through them. Pretty, pretty late for this uh, stage of the season. Obviously, the extra rest will have helped that. Is there any of those guys, probably Mike Williams, you expect to miss this week? Any of the rest of them that you think their status will be up in the air come Sunday?
3: Yeah, one of the keys, uh, and it's it's a very sad situation, Casey Hayward's brother um, was killed in a car accident. So that's the personal reason. He's back in Georgia with his family. Um, and he may miss the game, you know, totally understandable. He was with the team. Coach Lynn said, you need to go home, you know, go on, get home with your family. So he left um, yesterday, Actually, he left late Tuesday um, to be with his family. So he may come back. Uh, he may not. Obviously, that is that is his personal schedule. So there's a great possibility that, that he won't be there. Um, but they feel good about their defensive back situation, and obviously they want Casey to take as much time as he needs. Um, for something as severe uh, as that to have happened to his family so you have Trevor Williams who has been great in place of the injured Jason Barrett we thought that was going to be a dramatic drop off instead Trevor's been fantastic Desmond King um, you saw had that interception uh, against Dak Prescott took 90 yards to the house he's been their nickelback and kind of a floater I would imagine you just see a whole lot of him out there uh, in place of Casey so that would be the one keep an eye on um, and otherwise you know, Corey Leach has been dealing with a back injury. So the toe is something new, but he's been playing great as of late uh, alongside Brandon Meebane and just kind of locking up the interior of that line. So both boats and Ingram just come flying off the edges. So those would be the two that I would keep an eye on. You mentioned Travis Coons. I think they're going to carry two kickers. Um, they really want it to be Nick Novak. They like Nick Novak. Um, they like his veteran presence. They trust him. Um, I know that the the numbers you know, aren't great for him. One was a bad hold in Jacksonville, one of those misses, and then the miss in Dallas was, you know, the back that he wrecked while he made that kick. So I think, you know, if you take the the percentages out, which are not good, they feel very comfortable with Nick Novak being their kicker moving forward. Um, So they would prefer that it's Nick, but my guess is he'll start the game, and if that thing's acting up, they're not put in the same position they were last week with Drew Kayser, who did a great job, you know, trying to fill in on uh, pickoffs and stuff obviously missed an extra point but um that's what you'll likely see there is, is they'll carry much like dallas did last week with nugent and dan bailey uh they'll carry both coons and novak on the active roster
2: yeah and obviously uh, that news as well uh, with casey hayward i wasn't aware of that part of the personal side yeah. of it but obviously that's uh our, our thoughts go out to him a very very uh tough thing to for anyone to have to go through so well, we're looking now into uh, the Brown side of things. And, uh, you know, I mentioned they're very late on the injury report for both teams this week and uh, pretty much the only person with the do not practice next to their name this week was Sammy Coates and so far uh, we have Kenny Britt, Isaiah Quail, well, Darren Smith uh, as limited participants in practice but when you're limited on a Wednesday it usually bodes well so Sammy Coates the one there to uh, watch as we progress on through the week but when we start to get into looking at some of the key matchups in this game obviously we we've kind of touched on the Chargers defense a couple of times and they've just been extremely impressive over the last couple of weeks so the, the matchup between them and the Browns offense uh, you know the defense is kind of peeking at the right time uh entering this sunday's game they forced eight turnovers and scored three touchdowns over the past two weeks so when your defense is putting up three touchdowns over two games that is a really really positive sign joey bosa ranks fifth in the nfl with 10 and a half sacks and melvin ingram is eight with eight and a half sacks so they're pretty much uh you know bossing things on that side of the ball and joey bosa has just looked uh, absolutely incredible but uh, how impressed have you been with the defense over the last kind of five or six weeks as they've really rounded into shape
3: It's, I mean, you said it, it's both both Boston Ingram, get it started. And man, I just, when you think about the loss of Joe Thomas and a rookie quarterback and Deshaun Kaiser and how the Browns are going to try to navigate that, I know they have other pieces on the offensive line, but none of them are Joe Thomas, but Tonio's solid. Um, But even uh, a 70% Tyron Smith, who is better than, you know, a 70% Tyron Smith is probably better than 95% of the tackles on the league. And you saw how much, how many issues he had with Joey Bosa? And how tough it was for him to try to keep up with them. Both sides has emerged as the—I I don't think there's anyone better. I really, and I know I'm the Chargers play-by-play guy, but I think that is your best pass rusher in the league. And it's not only because of the sacks, but his hands are so lethal around quarterbacks. I mean, he slaps the ball away so often. He pushes them. Like if he can't get the sack, you'll see Bosa shove guys into other players to get sacks or just put them into tough spots. Um, not to mention he's got over 50 tackles, so he's great in run support. He's great at recognizing when he's going to back off and not get a sack, but instead make a play in the backfield or maybe slow. You'll see him swallow up running backs from behind, maybe limiting what would be six and seven yard gains to two and three yards. Um, and and Melvin Ingram just my goodness the the size speed combination there when you figure almost every team is now dealing with a chip or a second hel- you know or a helper to slow down Bosa and when he comes free and does he hit you hard and I think that is just that seed gets planted early in the game and those quarterbacks see ghosts and they see them a whole lot so if they're not back there they're seeing some sort of apparition that is a version of them um, and and that's what I figure will again. The you, know, what's the you know, they're the straw that stirs the, the defense drink. And, and that's, that's what I suspect we'll see again.
2: Yeah, it starts up front, and then obviously that helps the the coverage. And then, again, if the coverage is as good as it has been this year with pretty much uh, three standout cornerbacks, uh, it's uh, a really tough situation for any offense. And you mentioned there with uh, Bosa, he is uh, tied already his career high for sacks. He's 10.5, so he's 21 sacks so far through his career, through those two seasons, which is, uh, you know, pretty much a historical rate and it's just amazing to watch what he's doing and you mentioned hasn't been the best uh, you know defensive end in the NFL with, with, you know when JJ Watt comes back he might have something to say about that but Bosa has just been incredible uh, Melvin Ingram as well just needs two more on the season to uh, get his best of his career so it's been uh, very very impressive from this defense and I think they're going to probably feast this week uh, again against this Browns team but uh, on the when we're looking at the defensive side and who they have to deal with obviously this week it's going to be interesting to see because they're going to have they did with Josh Gordon and uh, Hugh Jackson, so he wants to get him involved as much as possible. We hear a lot of talk from coaches, you know, in this sort of situation, it might lead to something, That might lead to nothing. It's very hard to Break down that speculation, but it's his first regular appearance in the NFL since uh, December 2014. There's no way he's really going to be ready for a full complement of snaps, but it is very good to see Garden making his way back. I thought maybe his time had passed and the off the field issues uh, were going to be something that always he dragged around with him. It's been amazing to read some of the stories and listen to him talk about how his life has changed and what he was doing when he was in college, what he was doing in his time in the NFL. But uh, it looks like he will be uh, second at wide receiver snaps this week behind. Corey Coleman, but with Heaven Coleman, what sort of challenge do you see that having for this uh, uh, Chargers team this weekend?
3: You know, I think you kind of said it there. I don't know. I mean, Gordon is so <laughs> talented. He's so big. He's so fast. Uh, he is a load to deal with. No doubt about it. Um, but who knows? Who knows what it's going to feel like when he takes his first full contact hit? If it's, you know, Jaleel Adai who's coming over from a safety spot after he makes it, let's just say. It's, a, it's just a slant, and there's Jaleel Adai waiting, and he thumps him. I mean, how does how does he respond to that? Is his body okay with that, or does it hurt 10 times as much as he's used to remembering it hurting? Um, I don't know, but I do know that he's a heck of a receiver and super talented, and Corey Coleman is blazing fast. So, you know, those two things, no doubt, those two guys are really good pass catchers. Now, you got to protect your quarterback long enough for those long routes to develop, um, and, and that's obviously what, quarterbacks have had an issue doing against the Chargers as of late. Um, but that said, yeah, I think they're. I think it is a dangerous team. It's a dangerous pair out there just because of size uh, in terms of Gordon, not to mention speed, but also the speed of Coleman. Um, so I don't think the Chargers are taking this team lightly at all It's zero and 10. Heck, they may have taken, you know, they may have managed to take them too lightly last year at 0-14 and 14 when they lost to them and became the only team that lost to the Browns. So I think that helps the Chargers not overlooking this one uh, because they were humiliated last year um, when they lost to the Browns in Cleveland. And and i got to believe that they want to atone for that.
2: And uh, looking now at the other side of the ball, the Chargers offense against that Browns defense, Rivers has uh, just looked uh, amazing over the last couple of weeks. He's completed 241 of 388 attempts on the season. That is 62.1%. He has almost 3,000 yards. He has 20 touchdowns and seven interceptions so he's he's just uh been having a nice kind of you know last season it wasn't as good as I thought it could have been but there was a lot of injuries he lost Keenan Allen is Keenan Allen back now and we also mentioned that you know he's been on a tariff late uh you know he's caught 20 23 passes for 331 yards and three touchdowns in the last two games and I kind of had a chuckle there those numbers are uh, insane when you look at it from that perspective but uh, looking at him looking at Philip Rivers that connection back together again and you know they're really on the one page we mentioned though that Prior to that, like why are these teams going against him in man coverage? He did have three or four games there where he was a little bit limited uh, from a schematic point of view. He wasn't being used as much in the passing game, but he really has been used in full flight over the last two weeks. So if you were the Browns, uh, how do you think you would be trying to stop Keenan Allen this week? And uh, is there a way of stopping Keenan Allen?
3: No, I don't. I really don't think there is, uh, and that's something he said at the start of the year. He called himself the man killer. He's like, hey, you want to play me, man? Look out! And and
2: he runs the slant better than anyone in the NFL. I think he, he just takes those slants, and it's good luck stopping them.
3: Yeah, I think you know what it is is you know he he slipped into the third round because he ran a four six five, right? The difference with Keenan Allen and every other receiver. Is he runs a four six five into the break? He runs a four six five at the break. He runs a four six five out of the break. The man never slows down. You know that, that that's what the difference is. That's why those slants are so effective. Is maybe your average receiver? Not maybe. That's what happens. Your average receiver has to slow down a beat to get into that break. Keenan doesn't. So and every cornerback does. So when they're slowing down in the break, he's still going full speed and he is gone. And that's when he's doing double moves and he's still moving at the same rate. Man, it's at a nightmare for, for defensive backs. And I think in terms of what you're gonna see against the Browns, I've gotta believe they're gonna bring help because the last two weeks they haven't, and like you just said, it's three hundred and thirty plus yards and three touchdowns. And if they don't bring help, he's gonna get to five hundred after three games. Um, you know, and probably five touchdowns. And and that's kind of been that's been their start. You know, he is instead of, you know, running Melvin and establishing the run and then using play action to take shots downfield, it is Get Keenan Allen going. Once that gets going, you got to bring safety help over. Now the middle of the field's open. Here comes Hunter Henry. And then when that gets going, now you start running the ball. Um, because you can't bring an extra man into the box because you're freaking out over Allen and Henry. And the run support then brings you home. And that's what we've seen the last two weeks. And I think that's the same formula you're going to see uh it, it, this after this Sunday afternoon against the Browns.
2: Yeah and when you look at it you know we mentioned the stats over two games if so he goes on to have a, a similar game that he has over the last two weeks yeah, over a three game span, we could be looking at a, a historical trio of games back to back to back from Keenan Allen. So, against the Browns team, that is certainly a possibility. It's going to be exciting to see what he does this weekend. So, if you're looking at then from the Browns' point of view and how they're going to be able to, to try and get some pressure on Philip Rivers, slow things down, this year's first overall pick, Miles Garrett, has made his presence felt so far with five sacks. He is having a nice rookie season. He had some injuries to start the year, but he, he has looked uh, kind of as uh, advertised prior to the draft. But this Chargers offensive line has been. Uh, kind of a surprise to me they've had so much injuries over the last kind of four or five years of the offensive line losing player after player after player and then having a mismatch of people come the end of the season but this year has been a very very consistent unit and one of the best in the league at this stage is there any concerns with this Browns uh, defensive line being able to to being able to cause some concern for the, the Chargers offensive line this week
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. You hit it on the head. It's a surprise to everybody. Now, with the exception of Russell Okun, you know, who I think without question is going to be a pro Bowl left tackle. I mean, he has been fantastic this year, especially in pass protection. It has not been a good run blocking line. Um, So I think what you'll see is the Browns do some damage on that interior, much like we saw Marcel Darius do in Jacksonville. Danny shelton has been great this year. And when you have that kind of big body and that sort of athleticism and that size of a human being, it is reminiscent to some degree of Darius I'm not saying Danny Shelton's you know on that level of play because Darius just want to be when he is focused my goodness look out um but Shelton's really good and he's really big and Spencer Pulley has had some issues on the interior of that line now remember like you said they've been banged up you know Pulley was probably going to be the center but they wanted their right guard to be Forrest Lamp and they wanted their left guard to be Matt Slauson, Pulley in the middle, Okun on the left tackle, and probably Barksdale. Well, Barksdale was down for five games, so you had Michael Schofield there. You lost Horace Lamp in preseason. That became Kenny Wiggins. And you lost Matt Slauson a few weeks ago, and that became Dan Feeney. And Dan Feeney was ultimately supposed to be the starting center in place of Pulley. So you get the point. that, This offensive line is doing as good a job as they are right now. Um, it really it really speaks to whatever the coaching has been and the schemes that they have used to help protect what probably should be a pretty big weakness because you're talking about four of the five guys on that line, everyone but Okun, probably, or at least three of the five, probably a backup um, to the position because of the absence of Barksdale for so long. So, yeah, that's, that's where the Browns are going to have to make some, some hay, you know, and, and Danny Shelton specifically, I think, on the interior of that line making it easier for Miles Garrett to just fly off an edge.
2: Yeah, and no, that's what uh, makes it even more impressive, uh, you know, when you don't have this plan in the offseason. Sometimes you fall into this thing where it all falls into place for you, and it looks like maybe the Chargers offensive line is one of those cases this season, and it's uh, obviously good for them. And when we look then at the running games for both teams. Both of them are kind of two-headed backfields. We have Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell for the Browns. I mentioned uh, Isaiah Crowell on the injury report, but fully expect him to play this week. Then on the other side for the Chargers, you have Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Uh, so, you know, Gordon has kind of slowed down in recent weeks. He has and 98 yards on the season. He has five touchdowns. He did start off very, very strongly, but you mentioned it's not been a great run block on offensive line. It has been a lot of his work as well. It was done through the air, but the impressive side of things here has been uh, undrafted rookie Austin Eckler, who has emerged uh, as kind of a perfect complement to him. He's carried the ball 37 times. He's also uh, rushed the ball 24 times, and he has five touchdowns himself. Uh, on the year so he, he's he been very impressive is there any concerns uh, with gardens maybe dropping production and then is there any uh, you know early thoughts on Austin Eckler what do you see him going forward there's obviously the the easy comparison is to compare him to Danny Woodhead who played for the Chargers but how have you seen that there backfield develop over the season
3: yeah I think there is some concern over Melvin I think they're worried about his knee um you know I think there have been days where it's really bothered him and my guess is they would love to try to lighten that load a little bit Um, He's been really good in the past game. I think he struggled a little bit, you know, running between tackles. Eckler's been fantastic. I mean, he really has been just awesome. Uh, That is someone that does not go down easy. I mean, he's been described, and I think the difference between he and Danny Woodhead is just the strength, the explosion that he has. There there were a couple runs um, in that game against Jacksonville when he had two touchdowns at 130 yards plus or you just watched him hit the hole and man, does he explode. It actually really jumped out to me in the Buffalo game, just because when you watch LaShawn McCoy in person, that's when you kind of get it. You're like, my, it looks like a cartoon when he breaks through the line and he sees the lane and you just see the distance grow between him and a defensive back or a linebacker. You realize how much faster he is than anybody else on the field. And because it was in the same game, you saw that from Eckler. Once he got through the line, you don't realize the explosiveness that he has to get to that top end speed and how quickly he does it. Um, So that's been a huge boost for the chargers, you know, and you credit Tom Telesco and the scouting staff for finding him as an undrafted free agent out of Western state Um, and, you know, a a lower level college program uh, that he just lit up and man, is he good and he's good catching the ball to the backfield. And there's no doubt that that has been a big reason why the chargers are able to be as balanced As they are, Um, because, yeah, I think there are I think there are games in which Melvin has, has definitely been feeling that knee injury a little bit and has not been as explosive as you would expect him to otherwise be.
2: It's, it's always amazing when you see these guys. You know, there's so many undrafted free agents that make it in the league and make it to very very high status, and you see it year in year out. And it's uh, just another one that has slipped through all the cracks of all 32 teams entirely throughout the draft process, and then has got taken in as an undrafted free agent, and is doing a very very nice job. And you mentioned balance. I think that's a nice word to use for this Chargers team at this particular moment. And obviously, despite uh, playing in the NFL's smallest stadium this year, the Chargers have yet to sell out a home game. You've been at all those games. Uh, it's their first season in Los Angeles. The biggest crowd for a game yet has been 27,000 at the StubHub Centre, and that came against the Denver Broncos, and most of those uh, fans at that game were Denver fans. So the rumours are going around that this could be the lowest attended uh, game in modern NFL history, with the Browns obviously struggling and not expecting many of their fans to travel. What has atmosphere been like at the home games, and are the, the team and the organisation concerned about the, the difficulty in, in selling those seats as they enter that market in LA?
3: Um, yeah, I think there's some concern. I think you know, I probably have to disagree with you a little bit. There there was only one game where it was really bad, and that was the Philadelphia game. I thought there were probably six to seven out of every ten fans were Philly fans. Um, every other game has been about 50-50. I think what people fall into the trap is when you come to see an opposing team, the fans end up wearing their opposing team jerseys. They want people to know, hey, we're here. Whereas the home fans, they may wear a jersey, they may not. So that's kind of the way I gauge it is funny. Anyway, um, it's, it's definitely tricky. Um, It's, it's, there were, there were more charger fans, considerably more charger fans than were uh, bills fans. The last time out, I'd say it was probably 70, 30 chargers in that one. And I expect you're going to see a lot of folks out, um, that are Charger fans or football fans for the Browns game. Um, the trick for the Chargers just to, and I don't want to bore people or, or make it sound like I'm spinning this positive, but this is the reality. The NFL um, insists that teams have what they both hold. Because it's such a small venue isn't in line with what the average ticket price is across the country, which is somewhere in the $50 range. You know, the average ticket price for a Charger game is 120 bucks. So now you've got to, you know, yeah, you've got to decide day of game. Oh, I'm going to take my family or with parking with possessions, that's going to cost me six or $700. Um, that's a tough thing to do. So I think that's where the challenge has been is trying to figure out what these game day holds and if they can lower that number so they can sell more tickets in advance to charger fans that can kind of map out how they're going to make that sort of investment.
2: Yeah, and the other thing to, obviously, as we see as the season progresses here, if this team is heading to the playoffs, uh, successful football teams tend to have uh, more full stadiums. So I'd expect if this Chargers team goes on the projection that we're looking at as the season progresses here, uh, this the stadium will be nice and full by the end of it. And, and uh, be, as we finish up, I uh, just want to get your opinion, obviously, on what you uh, expect uh, for this game this week. The Browns, obviously, no wins on the season, and I, I think it's going to be the same after after this weekend's contest.
3: Yeah, I agree with you completely. We asked Anthony Lynn about this being a trap game and he laughed. He said, we're five and six. You know, if you're 10 and two, yeah, maybe there's trap games. But when you're five and six, there's no such thing as a trap game. So they're not overlooking the Browns. Uh, They're considerably more talented than the Browns. It's a home game. It's one of the hottest teams in football. I would be, I would be very, very surprised if they ended up dropping this contest.
2: Yeah, I would be absolutely stunned. And just as we finish up, uh, one final question: uh, we, we we mentioned uh, the five and six record. Does this team make the playoffs? Uh, I think at the moment, uh, it looks very open in the AFC. And if uh, they, if they go on a nice little run here, I think it's it's all to play for.
3: I think they do. Uh, there's there's one game that that I you know. Obviously, they have to go to Arrowhead and play the Chiefs. And we just don't know what the Chiefs are right now, you know. And I think that's, that's the one game to, to kind of just think about. Because my guess is one of these three teams, the way the, the schedule maps out the Chiefs, the Chargers, or the Raiders, one of them is going to win out. Um, I, I really believe that. And whichever one does is the one that's going to make the playoffs. And maybe two of them do, you know. But the fact that the Chargers play the Chiefs, the Chiefs play the Raiders. The Raiders play the Chargers. You know, that's that's kind of the key, that uh, one of them is, is going to end up winning both of those games, and that's the team that's going to end up being, you know, your AFC West champ.
2: Yeah, I think I, I pretty much agree with all that there, and obviously for the listeners, you can check out Matt on Twitter. It's at Matt Money Smith. One of the one of the coolest uh, nicknames uh, in the NFL media game, and that is the Money tag. So uh, it's always my pleasure to have you on, Matt, and uh, hopefully it's a good game this uh, Sunday as we move through the NFL season.
3: Well, oh, like I said, I always enjoy calm Thanks for having me, man.
2: Once again, thanks to Matt for jumping aboard the show. We mentioned you can follow him on Twitter at Matt Money Smith. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into uh, what we discussed there using uh, a couple of the apps up on Roadways.com. And of course, the the season is uh, getting closer to the end, it's closer to the end than the start, and it is really flying along at a rapid rate but it's still a great time to uh, get yourself an NFL pass at rotowiz.com you can get one right now with 30% off uh, for all listeners to the podcast it is available through the NFL podcast homepage that is rotowiz.com forward slash podcast your subscription will give you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools and best of all it helps support the pod so get that 30% discount at rotowiz.com forward slash podcast and of course the season, as I mentioned, week 13, it is moving along very briskly. But we have great content uh, from now through the off season and ahead to next season. So, no, no better time than at present to get yourself in on the action with a 30% discount. And, of course, that is available to listeners off the podcast only. So, for being uh, such a loyal listener and a great listener here to Rotoviz Radio, grab that discount for yourself, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. So we're looking into the game now, obviously, breaking it down using uh, some of the apps up on rotaviz.com. There's quite a few interesting players in this one that I'm very, very uh, much looking forward to seeing how they do this Sunday, and I'll have a lot of exposure to this game, both in DFS and in season-long leagues. Uh, uh, You know, uh, if anyone listens to uh, my OTI podcast, they'll know that I'm a big Keenan Allen fan, and over the last couple of years, that has been a a tough go at times with uh, injuries and that that have uh, kept him out of action for a lot longer than I would have uh, appreciated, but uh, when he's on the field and when he's playing like he did over the last couple of he's obviously uh, somebody that you want in your lineups but we're we'll talking about Keen in just a moment but uh, we're looking through some of the players and I want to look up first here with Philip Rivers and he's obviously really balling out at the moment and looking at his projections using the GLSP app here up on roadabase.com Pretty, uh, you know, standard range of outcomes for him this week. It's been a, a consistent couple of weeks for Rivers and, you know, you might see an explosion. Sometimes people expect playing against the Cleveland Browns who are pretty good against the run this season as a defense and expectable to funnel the pass through in that situation. And sometimes though, as a game like this one is where the Chargers are 14 point favorites at home. Sometimes you expect, all oh, the quarterback's going to go off in this, but the, a lot of those games tend to have a heavier volume base towards the running back. So we'll see how this game does progress at the time, but, uh, you know, if this, if the Chargers end up being, you know, 14, 16, maybe 21 points up in that fourth quarter, we'll see the team take their foot off the pedal as we did uh, while they beat the Buffalo Bills two weeks ago as uh, they switched out at quarterback in that one. So look at the range of outcomes. The low for Phillip Rivers in a four-point uh, passing touchdown league is 15.9. The median is 18.4, and then the high is 23.5. So I think we're at a pretty solid range of outcomes there. Where Phillip Rivers is an automatic play this week, and I think you're going to get a nice return from him. But even at that spike ceiling, uh, it's still not going to be you know an incredible outlay. But I think you know there's no doubt about it. If you've him in season long you're certainly starting him I think he's going to be a very very much chalk play this week when we look at it from a DFS perspective and uh, you know for that with the the amount of people that'll be on him maybe in that format it might be a time to sit back but if you're playing him in cash games I think it's definitely one of those guys that uh, can really really help you out this week but I think most people are going to have him starting this coming week when you're looking then at the running backs I mentioned it can become a game where it's very very heavily involved at the running back position and i think they're both very very interesting options when you're looking then obviously at the charges of melvin ingram and austin eckler i've been very impressed with what Eckler's done he was somebody that as an undrafted free agent after one or two weeks of this season i had been uh, hearing a lot of buzz about him from people and the chargers camp and uh I uh, picked him up in a lot of my dynasty leagues, uh, you know, just uh, cheaply and took him as a stash to see what would happen. And obviously, he's looking good. And if you look at Eckler, it's quite a, an interesting stat today. I've seen today that since week six, he has actually outscored Cream Hunt. So, Cream Hunt did that monster start of the season. And unfortunately for Cream Hunt owners, he hasn't found the end zone in the sp- space of time since that. So, Austin Eckler uh, obviously having a nice run when you look at it in that perspective. But even more so than that, the interesting thing that I've seen is that if you look at his points scored since uh, since week seven, you put it all, he has outscored every running back in the NFL outside of 11 running backs in PPR, and that includes his teammate Melvin Garden. So there's a little bit of a, a split going here. We'll see if see if he can continue to eat a little bit more into Melvin Garden's workload. I have not been impressed with Melvin Garden as an actual runner this season, but as Matt pointed out there, uh, it has been a better pass blocking offensive line than a run blocking offensive line, but I, I have not been impressed with uh, what he's done there but you know i mentioned the browns been good against the run but over the last couple of weeks they've given up back-to-back 100 yard rushing games to both leonard Fournette and joe mixon so going into this week i think it's going to be uh, a possible uh, game here for both of these guys as i mentioned that high against the spread in favor of the chargers and i think we'll see uh, both running backs get a nice uh, workload melbourne garden i think it's gonna be much higher owned i think goss neckler is uh, an interesting play this week and out of those two you know just based on price you know and I, I mentioned it two or three weeks ago I had Eckler in quite a few lineups and uh, yeah, I've been doing that a couple of times this season so he's an interesting play Melvin Garden though somebody who I'm just not I'm just not uh, really buying in on at this stage but if you own him in a uh, season long league I think you know this is a prime matchup I think you have to start him based on the amount of uh, opportunities to get points that this team's going to have and uh, you'd imagine they're going to be in the Reds on quite a number of occasions and of course what that gives you red on opportunities and uh I think we'll see a lot of them go the way off Melvin Garden this week. So I'm uh, basically pr- pretty much telling you to start all uh, running backs here for the Chargers. Melvin Garden is, uh, you know, an RB1 candidate this week. And then Austin Eckler is, a, a, in my opinion, a safe flex option. Uh, we didn't really touch into Sean Kaiser. He's somebody I just, I'm not uh, advising anyone to slot in to their uh, lineups uh, over, over this weekend. Um, just... Uh, there's only two or three options this week that I think I would rank below them, and that is really when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel from that perspective. So getting to the tight ends, we'll look at the Cleveland Browns quickly first, and we mentioned uh, Josh Garden coming back. There'll be a lot of people who want to play Josh Gordon this week coming back, but obviously a long, long time. If you're looking back to week 16 of 2014, the last time... Uh, he's had a game and he hasn't scored a touchdown since week fifteen of twenty thirteen. So you're going back now, uh, almost four years since the last time he scored a touchdown. So I'm very excited to see him back in the field. I'm glad that he's had uh, you know a chance to work through the demons that he's had and his uh, story. If he can come back and have a, a run at an NFL you know career, if he can play now for four or five years consistently. Uh, it'll be a story that people tell for a long long time so looking forward to see how he does but it's a very very tough matchup against this uh, Chargers secondary and uh, it's just one that you you can't really go in and trust him there will be people that have him and if he goes off and it's a massive game this week fair play but uh, he'll not be in my lineups Corey Coleman has been an interesting uh, play over the last couple of weeks he has now played in four games with Deshaun Kaiser he's averaging eight targets in that time and he's seeing six targets in every game uh, a minimum of six targets sorry in every game so that's something uh, kind of for them to build upon and he's totaled at least 53 yards in three of those games. So as we move forward here I think he's the player if you're playing one of them this week if you're trying to you know stack this game and get some of the uh, LA Chargers players in and then having somebody to come back with. I think the two options really if you're looking at the Browns are Corey Coleman. The other one I'd be looking at is Duke Johnson and the possibility of slotting him in there. So I, when I was going through the running backs I uh quickly went with the the chargers options i forgot to mention obviously uh, as you've noticed now as i've touched on duke johnson after the running backs uh, i meant to obviously mention them previously with duke johnson i think in the ppr game he's the one that you want to have in this game he's uh getting less work than Isaiah Coel. Coel still averaging 15 touches per game but he, he belongs for this one in the flex conversation but um, Duke Johnson's the player that you want to be playing in my opinion. I, I Like I mentioned earlier with Keenan Allen, Duke Johnson is somebody that I've uh, long been a believer in and uh, I thought this season would be a much bigger year for him but it has been a pretty good year for him all around. Uh, I thought there might be a breakout year and obviously uh, maybe we'll see that happen next year. But he's had a, a nice little run over the last couple of weeks, getting some plays uh, you know, in the slot and the wide receiver position. He's getting a lot of pass catching work. So Duke Johnson, if this game does start to get out of hand, could uh, see a nice roll. Uh, and there's PPR points picking up quite considerably uh, if we get into a situation where they are coming from behind for a large majority of this game. The One note here is for the Chargers, they have allowed just run one running back uh, to eclipse uh, 69 total rushing yards uh, in the last seven games, and that was Lashawn McCoy, and that was the game obviously that they'd really blown out the Bills uh, at halftime, so uh, it's uh, a team that just isn't uh, giving up much rushing yards on the ground, so it's uh, a very, very tough matchup for Crowell in this one. Looking then, the player I want to dive a little bit deeper into is, of course, Keenan Allen, and You know, I heard uh, when Matt was talking there, he said, I said, how do you stop Keenan Allen? He just said, simply, you can't. So if you can't stop Keenan Allen, we're just going to look through some of the numbers that he has over the last couple of weeks. Pretty much all season long, if we're looking at air yards up here on rotaviz.com, scrolling down through them. And the lowest air yards total for the season for him was 56. That was against Oakland in week six. We're looking through them as one with 60, two with 60 overall, but then it really spikes up. Everything else is pretty much above 70, but look at those last two weeks against Buffalo 105 air yards and last week 143 air yards. So pretty much breaking the air yard scale over the last couple of weeks looking at those targets. I mentioned a little bit of a lull in the mid-season. He went with 7.57 in his target range, but then we're booming it back up with 13 and 14 as we head into those last two games and I had a bull prediction up on RoadBulls.com for that Thanksgiving slate, and uh, I said that it would break the record for receptions on Thanksgiving. We almost got there; it was one away from tying the record. But you know, the the performance even up. I think I was on the right track with the process that I went there. And uh, it's been interesting as well. If you look at the uh, target share over this uh, opportunity that he's had in the last two weeks, he had 42% last week, 35% the week before. So that will drop down. But if you look at the rest of the season, he's pretty much averaging 23 to 30% each and every game this season, barring that spell where I mentioned where really he the two games in week 9 and week 10, and they were both down at 17 and 19%. So we're booming it all the way back up, and uh, I think we'll see him in around 30% this week so Keenan Allen safe play there uh, I have to say all round, that is uh, what I'm expecting this week we're looking at his range of outcomes the other player I want to touch on when we're looking through it here on that side is uh, Terrell Williams and He's had a, a nice couple of games uh, at sea, this season. It's hard to uh, really see, you know, which games when they're coming, but uh, Mike Williams expected to miss this game, so that gives him opportunity. The only other real wide receiver, if not, at that point then is Travis Benjamin. So Terrell Williams could get uh, some nice targets here, particularly if the Browns do really try and uh, sell out to stop Keenan Allen. So uh, Terrell Williams, looking at his range of outcomes in the GLSP app, there is obviously no floor for him, and that's kind of to be expected uh, with Terrell Williams from week to week. In PPR leagues, it's 2.4, then the median 9.7, but the high then, if he gets that touchdown, brings it all the way up to 15.8. So I think we're looking at a medium to high range for him, but again, as I mentioned, there is pretty much no floor with Terrell Williams this season. It's uh, The Chargers offense has been spreading it around, and the player that I'm going to talk about next, and we're talking about no floor uh he kind of falls into that terrell williams bracket and that is hunter henry we're looking at hunter henry he is somebody who this season from game to game and <laughs> there's games where he's disappeared there's games where he's just had monster games so when we're looking through it you know week one zero receptions week three zero receptions week ten, one reception he's at a couple of two reception games then he's had seven receptions in games five receptions four or five so it's been a, just an up and down year it's been so hard to to be able to trust him on this season Every time you kind of trust him, he uh, screws it up on you. Every time you don't think he's going to do something, he blows up. So it's one of those ones where it's just so, so, so tough. And his matchup this week is uh, tremendous. He's getting uh, an opportunity to go up against uh, the team that has allowed the third most points to opposing tight ends in fantasy this season so i'm going to slot in first the snap report and just have a quick look at it up on rotovis and when we look at it we have antonio gates there uh, we have hunter henry jeff cumberland's been there for the last few weeks and then sean mcgrath who is pretty much a blocking tight end who never gets a target so we're looking through it we have antonio gates who is pretty much from the start of the season to this point rolled all the way down to a kind of 20 percent player in terms of his snap so he's kind of featured out of the game he's getting a couple of targets here and there but antonio gates is not uh, as much to be worried about as what we had at the start of the season with hunter henry which has made some of his uh, workloads and games very very surprising to say the least and then cumberland again uh, he's at 37 percent, so don't really worry about him too much but the interesting thing is when you look at hunter henry you he had a few games in the middle of the season where he was up at 83%, 81%. It's fallen back down now to the 60-50 kind of, to 50 range uh, on a week-to-week basis. So it's going to be interesting to see what his workload is this week. But I mentioned the situation in the matchup against the Cleveland Browns, giving up the third most points to opposing tight ends. So when we look into it, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is look at the AYA app and... Uh, that is the adjusted yards per attempt, uh, per receiver. And if we look at Philip Rivers' time in San Diego, that is from 2009 to 2017. Look down through it, and there's a lot of impressive wide receivers, tight ends in this list. Tony O'Gates, Ladarius screens, in there, Vincent Jackson, Malcolm Floyd, Darren Sproles, Antonio Gates. You know, we're looking down through it. Travis Benjamin who obviously gets a lot of deep targets, Danny Woodhead, Terrell Williams who we talked about earlier and then of course we have Keenan Allen. So there's lots and lots of names to go along through that and if you look at the man that's at the top of that list throughout all that time there's one name that stands alone and that is Hunter Henry with 1157 So it's uh, it's interesting to see for a tight end to be so highly rated on that. And uh, looking then at his projections on the GLSP app is low again. That floor is invisible. It is uh, not there. There is no floor with him. In the PPR leagues, it is 3.1. But if you look at his median, it bounces up straight away. It's 12.1. You look at his high, 22.4. So we could see a real, real monster breakout on the season here for Hunter Henry. And that is what I'm expecting to happen this week. Last week, he had a monster game. He had the five catches, 76 yards and a touchdown against Dallas and I think you know at home such heavy favorites I just think this is a monster monster spot where he could really have a huge huge game and he is the one that as uh, my draft play of the week I'm going with and I think if you've any sense you'll slot him in to those draft lineups get him in those DFS lineups You know, there is the possibility, I mentioned that they're a little bit creeping in with the the floor possibility. Will he have no targets in this game? Will he have no yards in this game? I don't think that is happening. I think it's a very, very safe play this week that I don't think a lot of people are going to be on based on that up and down nature, as I mentioned, of his season. So, uh, Hunter Henry is my draft play of the week. And, of course, if you haven't played on draft yet, this is the perfect time. Maybe your team is out of playoff contention. Maybe you're already. Got yourself sorted. You have a bye week sorted for next week as you head into the playoffs. Either way, you can play on draft and just search on the app store for the draft app and all that you have to do if you're playing online is go to playdraft.com whichever one you prefer. I'll be playing this coming weekend, and for a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you use our code RV Radio with your first deposit. Uh, if, you know, if you have listened to the show before, you'll know what draft is. It is a next style draft, and it has no salary caps. It's just you just go from pick one all the way through as the many players as in that league, reverse back around from the. Say if it's 12 players pick 12 gets picked 13 as well and you work back your way around so you pretty much uh, just set it and forget it do your draft it only takes a couple of minutes and of course you can play for cold hard cash drafts start from one dollar so there's pretty much a draft for everyone and uh, it is a huge huge amount of fun and of course if you're going through it this week there might be players uh going you know hunter henry might be going as the maybe if they're ninth tight end off the board and of course with that then you can set your line up around that and have a nice nice win this weekend so hunter henry my playdraft.com player of the week so with that we've run through all the different uh, parts of the show all the players that i think are of interest this week Uh, the browns obviously you're looking at players who can play from behind and duke johnson's a player i'm a huge fan of over his career and i think you know i think eventually this staff will give him a huge workload and give him that opportunity that i think he deserves uh, to see what he can do in a full-time role and we'll see if that happens towards the end of the season or next season and uh, I think him, I think Coleman, I'm looking forward to seeing what Josh Gordon does when he gets back in the field. Deshaun Kaiser I think is in for a really really tough day. I think Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram are just going to cause so much trouble for him. The cornerbacks are so tough. It's just a really bad matchup here for the Browns and and of course they haven't won this season. Can they get that first one? It's not for me happening this week. This is just a bad matchup. Sets up nicely for the Chargers at home getting, uh, you know, their big heavy favorites, the defense is playing well, The running games, you know, there's a balance there. I'm not, I mentioned, I'm not sold on Melbourne Gardens' performance this season so far, but, you know, if you're playing a fantasy football, you just care about him getting those points on the board. And of course he has been doing that the majority of the weeks this year. So I think uh, pretty much that's my assumption of what's going to happen here. Uh, it's going to be a case of, The Chargers lighten it up on the scoreboard against the Cleveland Browns. And with that, it's going to do us for today's edition of the show. This was the week 13 show, so 13 shows in the books. If you have any suggestions as to what we should do in the week 14 show, hit me up on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My name's Colin Kelly. Thanks for listening in. And of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the fantasistic ball Beat on RotoViz Radio. Please rate and review the RotoViz Radio podcast on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at RotoVizRadio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Roto-Riz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz and the 30% discount to the Roto-Riz Radio homepage, RotoViz.com forward slash podcast.
3: Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive Number One, Number Two Employee. Leave a message at the Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony. But you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year!
0: Sorry, is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth